tell you, I like Derek Shelton a lot. I've made no secret of that on this show. I won't apologize for it. This is a genuinely good guy. It's not easy to criticize him. What's more, I'm not the manager. So I can't put myself in his shoes. But if I could, there is no way, no way I'm not getting ejected in that situation. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that, generally speaking, don't get as spirited as this one's about to be. Brian Reynolds is your best player. Brian Reynolds is your only competent player at this stage of the season with Brian Hayes going on the IL, at least among position players. Reynolds didn't like a pitch. He got rung up by home plate ump Roberto Ortiz in the eighth inning with bases loaded and one out. Reynolds hadn't liked another ring up by Ortiz in his previous at bat. Reynolds, who's generally speaking about as cool as his Johnny Cash voice makes him seem, just flipped. Never seen him like that. Never seen him get that spirit. It didn't last long, turned around, kind of pumped a fist in the air, holding his bat in the direction of Ortiz, immediately ejected for whatever it was that he said, presumably not clean. But there's your guy out there. Even if he's wrong, and it was a really, really close slash borderline call, even if he's dead wrong, even if you want to fault Reynolds for watching a pitch that's too close to take, go by in that situation, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's not old school to suggest that the manager has to have that player's back in that specific circumstance. As it was, Shelton stepped out of the dugout, walked over toward Ortiz, had, boy, couldn't have been more than a handful of words, turned around very calmly, went back to the dugout. After the game, I asked Shelton his stance on what he saw there with Reynolds and Ortiz. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think I've ever seen him that animated, no. uh, honestly. And, you know, the at-bat before was a borderline pitch, and then that at-bat was a borderline pitch. And I, I think Brian just kind of got to his breaking point. That was it. Right there. Didn't uproot first base. Didn't flip over the food table. Just, just that. That was it. Probably thought Reynolds was just wrong and, Decided to move right along. No big deal. No big deal. None of it's a big deal. None of it's a big deal with anybody in charge of anything with this particular baseball team. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience underscoring the word experience. 
The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800 degree stone and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun. It's a great meal and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Reynolds cares. Don't ever doubt that. Don't ever lump him in. Anytime anybody suggests the Pirates are quitting or folding or whatever, the first thing I do is I point out how ridiculous that is considering most of these guys are barely in the majors and have to fight their rear ends off just to stay every single day that they stay. So you're not going to have issues with motivation. But you're never going to have them. Never. With Reynolds. He's just wired that way. He's a winner playing for a perpetual loser. What's worse, he's a winner playing for guys who seem a little too comfortable with losing. I'm sorry. I want to see somebody get upset because that tells me that there's a passion, that the reason that they're out there is to win. I don't want to hear from Ben Charrington the day after the Pirates fly home from that sweep at Dodger Stadium that it meant nothing. I don't want to see whoever that guy was. I already forgot his name, that waiver guy from the Mariners or whatever that they put out at first base and batted fifth last night, even though he had a 143 career average in admittedly little action. I I, I want to see moves that show that, wow, hey, we're here. We're trying to win. We're trying to build off something. I want to see accountability. I want to see Andy Haynes not being the hitting coach anymore. How else can you assign accountability if you're going through the worst offensive season you've ever seen, ever? As a Pittsburgher, it's the worst offensive season you've ever seen with your own eyes, no matter how old you are. And if your response to that is, oh, well, the players stink, then find out who got the players. I mean, ultimately, that's obviously Charrington, but I'm talking about whoever would have scouted or advised or recommended something. And get rid of them. Somebody got those hitters. So either you got bad hitters or you can't coach hitters that you think are good. It's one or the other. There's no in-between there. Who's responsible for the brutal fall in fundamentals, especially defense? Uh, I'm, I hate to even mention Reynolds dropping a fly ball because he had to run a mile and a half just to get to it. And it was his first error. My goodness. In 180 games. I mean, he's been outstanding. But I won't have as much of an issue pointing out that Tucapita Marcano failed to break forward on what should have been a routine pop-up, forcing O'Neill Cruz to come his own mile and a half, and the ball clanged off of his glove. And I'm sure everybody's going, oh, look, Cruz messed up again. That wasn't Marcano's only lousy route. Who's teaching? Who's accountable? Never mind that the team's now lost five in a row. And, oh, let's do some counting here. Nine out of the last 11. They're 45 and 71 overall. And, yes, you'd better believe they're right back on that 100-loss pace. That's progress, right? That's, that's, that's real progress. 
don't get me started on the minor leagues. That takes us to another level when we come back, J1Q. Hey, DK, do you think with the implementation of the draft lottery next year that we could see the Pirates or even just small revenue teams in general actually avoid tanking since they'll not get a better pick for it? Or will they still try to save payroll for future seasons? Uh, Nothing's going to change about this because it hasn't been tanking for the draft. I really hate hearing this. I'm not talking about you, Ethan. I just in general, this is mostly people who don't follow baseball closely will link the concept of tanking to baseball the way it is, say, in football and hockey, you have all the incentive in the world to tank in football, and teams still don't really do it. Why? Because the NFL has a salary cap system that doesn't allow you to dramatically shrink your payroll. That's it. You want to solve tanking, put a salary cap in. I know everyone's tired of hearing this from me, but that's just how it is. I can tell you, From personal experience, meaning conversations that I've had with very high-ranking baseball executives, that almost always, if you're in the top three, or even the top four or five sometimes, the player you want is the player you're going to get. That's because the diversity of opinion about a prospect's skill set and potential is just massive. It's unlike anything you can relate to in football or hockey. It just is. I know that when the Pirates have taken certain players and we've looked at the overall lists, the advanced lists, and what the rankings are and who's projected to go here and there or whatever, that their entire board... Their entire first round, second round, whatever, would look nothing like it. And I've heard this from so many people in different settings, including with different teams in the majors, for it not to be true. So the idea that teams tank for the draft even now is, let's put it this way. I do believe that teams are aware that if they finish in a lousier spot in the standings, that they're going to finish somewhere in that top four, five, or even ten. And there are obvious benefits to that. But when you think about tanking, I know especially in Pittsburgh, we think about the Penguins tanking in 1984 to get Mario Lemieux when they were in a neck-and-neck battle with the New Jersey Devils to see who would get the number one overall pick, who would get Lemieux, and who would end up getting Kirk Muller. And the Penguins had to do everything in their power to throw every game, every outcome, brazenly so, in order to end up with the greatest player who ever lived. That's the most extreme example, though, of this. That was willful, open, right out there tanking for a player that everyone at the time knew was going to be something epic. That's not the way baseball drafts go. It's not the way almost any baseball draft has gone, really. I guess you could go back to the Steven Strasburg draft when everyone was all agog about him and not without cause. 
But even then, you know, even then, has Strasburg turned out to be some kind of generational pitcher for the Nationals? No, there's just not a lot of this in baseball. Uh, Everyone loves to cite the examples of, you know, where Mike Trout was taken 23rd overall. Albert Pujols lasted until the fifth round. There's just not that kind of incentive. So that that's my answer to you. I, I do believe that the Pirates will continue taking the approach that you describe, whether you want to call it tanking or nothing, because I don't believe that they're ready to declare 2023 as a season that matters. But my belief is founded in the fact that they haven't accrued anywhere near the talent that they'd hoped to, and the talent that they have accrued, they haven't advanced properly through the system. Totally separate issue. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do another one of these tomorrow.